What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. And today, Ethan and I are back on the weekly show. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. We're in the midst of a busy week. I just got a call. You know, I got I got work to do later, but... You know, this is priority right here. It's always a good time to just pause the hectic week, sit down and talk to you about the stuff that doesn't matter in any way. Exactly. In the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to, you know, the personal enjoyment of us, why what we get excited about, it's certainly, you know, and, and there are certainly things to get excited about that we've got to talk about this week. We've had an epic episode of The Mandalorian that we are fresh off of, and we're also very fresh off John Wick Chapter 4, which just premiered in theaters last weekend. We're going to be talking about that movie, that TV episode, and also we've got a couple of news segments that have been going over the past weeks. Last week, we were uh, very busy. The schedule did not permit us to meet, but this week we are back. Not too much has gone on in the news world as far as, you know, big headline stuff, but the stuff that has gone on, you know, we definitely do want to mention there's been some scandals in Hollywood lately, and uh, we are definitely going to get into that today. But before we do, we'd appreciate it if you uh, if you would go over to our YouTube channel and give us a subscription. That would be greatly appreciated. And also listen to us and giving us a review and a follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It'd be greatly appreciated. And if you do that, we will read it on today's or the coming week's shows. So with uh, with that out of the way, I say, well, what do you want to start with? John Wick or Mandalorian? Let's go. Let's go the Mando episode. Let's jump into that. We're fresh off. The Pirate is the title of this episode of The Mandalorian. It's, it's pretty long. 45 minutes is what I kind of checked into. And I don't think by any stretch that this is the best episode so far. I, I would Easily. say that. Yeah. Like we've had five episodes and I, we didn't really talk about last week's episode. Past two we haven't talked about. Not the biggest fan of the first four episodes of this show. It's halfway over halfway through the season. They have not done a lot. I think this episode is easily the best of the season. And I would even go as far to say that this episode is good. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, sure. I don't even know if I would really call the other ones. Great. Definitely not great. Like, there's fun in them, for sure. But as far as, like, pushing the story forward and the magic that we were used to from the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, I don't think the first four episodes had that. This this episode did a nice job at putting a little bow on the first four, like, because elements from every episode mm-hmm. played into this one. It kind of felt like, oh, that that's why you did that. That's why we did that whole side adventure with these two characters. Now we we this character is tying into this story somehow. And last episode, why why did they save Paz Vizil's son? Because in this episode, it, they use it to fight the Mandalorians. I really, really liked the scene of, and we got to talk about Mando's role in all of this. But I really liked that fire, the fireplace scene where Mando gathers the group of Mandalorians and he's telling them, hey, listen, he's offered me a plot of land. We can live in the light again. We can be the warrior race that we were always meant to be. And it, it's kind of showing that he can really unite the clans and doing that. And then 
obviously. The number one hater of Mando, Paz Vizsla. He gets up. I'm ready for him to be like, just beat down on the Mandalorian. Like, he's been doing that since season one. And he's like, we're going to follow this guy. Because we're Mandalorians. That's what we do. And he kind of like flips it. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. We're finally doing something interesting here. They take the covert. They do it in that the Mandalorian ship that they've got. And they put them all in the, in the, like, the shuttle bay. And they have them all fly out like in Clone Wars. That was great stuff. It blended story and action, I think, very well in this episode. And one question I have, though, is so the the whole thing with this sect, you know, this is the way the helmet keeping the helmet on is a huge deal. You know, that that's what kind of spun the events of this season into motion. Din Djarin had to go get baptized, get his redemption in the minds of Mandalore. So why why is it okay for Bo-Katan? To just take off her helmet now, because the armor said it was. Is this all leading to a Mandalorian civil war where the armorer is the quote unquote antagonist? Well, so it's interesting you say that because Nick subscribes to that theory. Nick thinks that the armorer is a very bad person, and it's let, let our listeners know who Nick is. Well, if Nick, Nick, if you've listened to the Batman podcast, and I'm pretty sure he appears on a couple other ones, but Nick is probably one of our biggest fans and he listens regularly every week and we discuss Mando every week. I'm actually looking forward to hearing what he has to say on this episode, but he says he is firm on the fact that the armor is a villain. They're setting her up to be a villain. I don't. I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that theory, especially after today's episode. Well, she may not be like a cut clear villain, but she's definitely stretching and breaking some rules here. She, sa- right. she says Bo-Katan can walk both both sides. I don't like that. So, so here's my thing, though. I think she is starting to realize that if the Mandalorians are ever to retake Mandalore, if they're ever to unite, it has to start here with them. It has to start with these Mandalorians who do not take, they're very rule follow, they're rule heavy, and they have to subscribe to all these rules. But I think she realizes that Bo-Katan, like she says in this, she walks both paths. She can unite. She has the power to unite everyone. And that she gets sent off to find more Mandalorians, which is really, really interesting and enticing. We've heard some rumors that possible Mandalorians from uh, Rebels are going to show up in this in this series, which would be really interesting. I'm not going to give away who that is, but um, it's going to be interesting to see where she goes. But I think to unite them all, I think she realizes that we have to be our way, but there can also be other tribes that don't do this. And I don't really know how that works story-wise with what we've been set up in the past few seasons. I'm not the biggest, you know, like I'm not the biggest hater of it though. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I, I like I like that this episode establishes direction. We're we've been kind of lollygagging yep. all season. This season, all right. It's sets the tone like all right, we're going to unite all Mandalorians. Uh we're going to fight together. We're going to be a family now. And then they set up the the really cool Jaws-esque discovery at the end. It, it, it reminded me of that scene in Jaws oh, when they find the sunken ship. 100%. You know, they, they, uh, he find, what's, what's that pilot's name? We've seen him in Carson, Book of Boba Fett? Carson Taba. Yeah. He is in Mando and Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, when he finds the destroyed shuttle, I thought that scene was, was shot 
awesome and the, the tension during that scene and then the reveal i mean we knew we knew it was coming but the reveal this is the this is the moff gideon transport mm-hmm. i thought that was great but what's really interesting about that is that because i was waiting honestly for a thrawn reveal symbol mm-hmm. of some kind like he sent these guys there to rescue Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon is one of the remnants. He needs his best soldiers. I was expecting a Moff Gideon reveal. But what we got is a little more confusing. Mandalorian Beskar armor mm-hmm. in the ship. What does that mean? I sat there thinking for a while. What do we? Who do we know of Mandalorian descent who could have rescued Moff Gideon? Or at least maybe even taken him captured. Maybe that's what happened. But we know all of the Mandalorians who got wronged from him on Navarro, who are still alive, are with the sect of mm-hmm. Death Watch, and they are or the the Watch, and they seem to think that, you know, they subscribe to the idea that he should have faced his crimes by Mandalorian creed. You know, he mm-hmm. wronged us. That doesn't sound like they have him in custody, so it has to be someone else, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any theories? I mean, so in Rebels. Fact- in, I don't think so. I don't think so. But in Rebels... I would be mad if it was Boba Fett. There are Imperial Super Commandos. Mandalorians who work for the Empire. And they have Beskar armor. Mm-hmm. Could it be a Mandalorian? The Well, he died. Gar Saxon was killed, I believe, in, um, Rebels. in Rebels. Yeah, he was. He will, thank you. Yeah. I, it's been a while. So you've, you've watched it. Recently. Either Sabine killed him or Sabine's mom may have killed him. Either one of those. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. he's dead though. And so, but maybe there are these still Imperial super commandos. It'd be nice to have that little juxtaposition of Mandalorians who are trying to retake their homeland. And then also Mandalorians who are still yet with the empire. But that's just a theory. So I, I'm not sure where that's going to go. It was certainly interesting. I I really am now more excited because Bad Batch has really kind of been carrying these last weeks of Star Wars for me. And now Bad Batch is over. I have not seen the episodes yet. But Mandalorian is finally picking up. And I say, unfortunately, with three more episodes, though, I say that I'm really, really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I, you think it's kicking into gear a little too late in the season? I mean, I think so. I would have preferred it to kick in way sooner. They had some stuff to pay off, but I think that was that happened in the first two episodes. So lollygagging around Coruscant took a while, and I don't know how much I really appreciated that episode at all. Yeah. I think that was my least favorite out of the four. And then we had the rescuing of Paz's son, which kind of felt inconsequential. So it's all led to this. But with three episodes left now, it's like, well, we have it's only like eight episodes. Happen. Yeah. Right. How many years did we wait for this season of Mandalorian? Two. Yeah. And, and it's almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're, we've had so much Star Wars content recently. I would even argue that we've had a little too much, mm-hmm. but I am really excited to see where this is going to end, you know, and I think the last three episodes, I hope are really going to hit. You know what did hit though? You know what really hit about this episode? We, let's pause real quick. We haven't done a full-on spoiler warning. I feel like it it, it is okay. In need right here. That is fair. So spoilers for this episode. I don't really know what you're doing watching and listening to this if you haven't seen it. But if you haven't, fair warning. Skip around to the next chapter. We got the chapter titles below. Exactly. 
I'm, I'm just going to give you one guess what I'm talking about here. Talking about my man Zap. Dude. Talking about the Rebels man himself. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Just so random. Like, there he is. And he's gone. And he's gone. Like, yeah. I didn't, I, even when I saw him, I even, I knew he probably wasn't going to be in the rest of the episode, but I love it. I, I, I just, I love these little seeds they're planting. They didn't even go as far to have his name be said. Mm-hmm. It's just like, if you know, you know, that's for you guys. That's for you fans. Let, let the casuals know what we're talking about. And it's, it's it, Zebarelios from Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. If you, if you've ever seen the show, he is the big purple alien the big guy from that show, he makes a, you know, a minute long cameo sequence. He's got a conversation with Carson Tava and that's it. If you know, you know, and I love these type of cameos in a show in season two, that was really, you know, a cameo fest. If you want to call it, I don't like calling it that, but there was a lot that they brought in that they really focused on. And this is a big character. And it's, if you know, you know, he's big. Yeah. It, it's very reminiscent of, uh, Matt Murdock in no way home. You see him, he's there for a little bit. And if you know, you know, and if you know, and you love it, it, it makes it that much better that he's like, and I love how much they're like, they're starting to lean into rebels, not fully. They got the purgles in the first episode and they have Zeb now in this episode, they have allusions to Thrawn with that fleet that attacked Bo-Katan and Mando in the last episode. Or maybe, no, it was the third episode, yeah. They're starting to lay the groundwork, man. And I, I just, I cannot wait to see where they're going to go with it. And I love, love, love the fact that they didn't go practical with Zep. They went full-on CGI. And he looked great. He looked fabulous man i don't know if you felt the same way but translating that from live action to you know cartoon to live action i thought it was seamless he looked great he yeah note for note just awesome and they got the voice actor to do this i mean it it just was zeb in live action the first live action lasat we've got and you felt some you felt some age on him yeah he felt a little mature he felt like a little more mature zeb than what we saw in rebels and I'm 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 really into that because I'm not the biggest Zeb fan. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing he, him in live action, oh, that was beautiful. It was something else. And then it was just it was done. Yeah. And I and I like that because it wasn't the highlight of the episode. That's not what people are gonna talk about. Now you have your Easter egg videos that are gonna be like, oh Zeb. You have Zeb and thumbnails <laughs> right. already. We saw a few. But the main thing that I want to drive home here is that this episode blended action and story very well. It gave us a direction. We just needed this episode like two episodes ago. Yes. Yeah. Like we needed this to be like the third episode after he got redeemed. And it's it's a shame that this is the fifth episode. I'm just glad that we now have a direction and that the last three episodes are probably probably going to hit. Yeah. Hopefully. Probably going to hit. But I think uh, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard has episode six. She's directed episode six. So, well, okay, we know episode six is going to be good. <laughs> she's only done good stuff in all of her episodes that she's directed. So, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to where it goes. A really good episode. I gave it. A, I gave it an eight, okay. not a nine, but an eight. I said eight's probably comfortable. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed it. I like. I like what they're doing with Bo-Katan. I like how she's she's buying. She's saying this is the way. Unironically, she just she means it now. I think 
Sincerely, this is the way. So let me ask you this. Yeah. In a show called The Mandalorian. Yeah. Is how the Mandalorian feel, getting how, a lot? How, how do you feel Mandalorian about and Grogu have been very sidelined this season. Yeah. Very sidelined. Yeah. So is that a wise move? I we'll have to see. Because I thought last week's episode where they go save Paz Vizsla's son, I thought that was all right, that was dumb. How are they gonna use this for the greater narrative? And they tied it into this episode. Paz Vizsla's like, he saved my son, this is the way. And they all fight together. It united the Mandalorians. So I I can't say as of right now, when we do our finale full season review, yeah, we'll be able to sit down and really talk about it. Yeah. But I was watching a video, so shout out to Ryan Airy from Screen Crush. He does great content. He was talking about, we all know this. We all know how that season two finale ended. You know, it felt like everything was leading to that. He handed him off. And then he's just back. And it, that it's re- Grogu is back in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing what they did in the Mandalor- in the Book of Boba Fett, it, it Ryan basically what Ryan Neri said he, he said it would be like if you're watching Empire Strikes Back Han Solo's put in carbonite and then episode 6 starts Return of the Jedi and Han Solo's just back with the crew and it's revealed oh yeah there was a little uh, Tatooine TV series that you had to watch to see them the team rescue Han yeah. Solo it, it's tough it is and I, I so John Favreau has actually spoken on this he said that especially what we've done with Marvel and you know how they all tie in together, we think audiences were re- are ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so if you watch Mandalorian, you're probably also going to watch the Book of Boba well, Fett. Th- that's a given for so sure. It was him defending that, but also I just work. had an experience. <laughs> My own dad said, is there a reason I'm supposed to be so confused in the Mandalorian season three? How did Grogu end up back with Mando? Your dad just said this. And I was like, uh, <laughs> so right there you have, you. there are people who just are going to be confused. And I think they knew that diehards like us will not be confused, but there are going to be people out there. They didn't show it in a recap. They just, they just really just happened. It just happened. Yeah. So that's all said and done. I really, I really don't care. You can't fix the past. I, I, you know, and I even, I'm, I'm almost like, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I really, I really don't care. If there are people left on the wayside for this, this, they, they have been doing this since the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, this is Disney Plus. If you're into Star Wars, you probably also watch Boba Fett. Now, there are people out there who don't. Now, the book of Boba Fett has the unfortunality of not being that great. So people probably tuned out before that happened. And I do don't, I I really don't like the decision to have it done in book of Boba Fett. But me, I don't care because I watched everything and it it. makes sense. But I think it it is really hard on uh, softcore fans or people who haven't watched everything. Even Clone Wars. I can't imagine how confusing some of the aspects of this show are right now for people who haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, like who who's Bo-Katan? I know I know she was in season two, but why does any of this matter? Right? Why? How does she have influence in the greater Mandalorian lore? What did she was in eight episodes of a seven season show? Come on! And that's why I think he did that in the Book of Boba Fett. He got 
Grogu back with Din Djarin. Because when you really think about it, this whole season could have been Din getting back Grogu mm-hmm. and Din getting redeemed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it wasn't that. I'm glad that Grogu, like, they were always going to go that route. So I'm glad that it happened in a different TV show. So we could, now we aren't focusing on the broader story, which is unfortunate. I still <laughs> think they could have done all of that in this season and still be where we are right now, five episodes in. That's that's true. I mean, in my ideal world, the first four episodes would not have happened like that. Yeah. He would have gotten redeemed in the first episode. Second episode would have been you know, about getting together with the Mandalorian covert and everything like that. And now we'd be where we are three episodes in. We, so we didn't get to talk about the past two episodes. Yeah. How do you feel about the, um, the people are called the Mandor Lorian, like Andor, the episode three it was. So their side quest, the cloning saga continues. That was my least favorite episode. Okay. I don't even think it was kind of like Mandalorian, like Andor. I think they just said that because it took place on Coruscant. No, it felt Andor to me. It did, did. It? okay. Yeah, the writing, the pacing, and I the tone was the writing Andor. was horrible. Oh, especially it, the acting. Like you, the, I the, say that that episode is probably there. No, no, no. The first two were worse than that one. Episode three at that point in the season was probably my favorite. Episode three is my least favorite. Yeah. There you go. See, we didn't even rehearse this, guys. <laughs> that that's just that just shows us the difference between us as Star Wars fans. <laughs> that's just right off the cuff. That was for sure my least favorite episode. I watched that with James, actually. We stayed up till two AM. Oh, that, threw that one yeah, on. I, I see it being disappointed. And yeah. uh yeah. we started the episode with Bo and Din. And mm-hmm. it was like they were racing through. They had a TIE fighter battle in space. Where are these TIE fighters coming from? They can't be, you know, just out here. They have to be connected to a larger fleet. We got really excited. And then 40 minutes of just bumbling around on Coruscant. So much lore, though, was established. And so much. It is very uh, a sequel setup, for sure. Yeah. That's what it felt. But I didn't mind it. I need. I, I want more of that world built. It needs to happen eventually. And I don't mind that it was right there. Now, do I mind that a whole episode of the Mandalorian was set aside for that? Yeah, probably. But I, I like getting that story. But what what about episode four? Yeah, we got to talk about Grogu. We, get, we finally get to see which Jedi rescued Grogu. Is it Mace Windu? Is it, <laughs> you know, Plo Koon? Is, it Is he hiding in the stomach of R2-D2. No, all of those questions are wrong. And actually, it was Jar Jar Binks all Ooh. along, man. <laughs> Kelleran Beck, a.k.a. Ahmed Best, is back in Star Wars for the third time, actually, if you're counting the Jedi Academy series. Goated. It's all on YouTube. Go watch it. Dude, that Jedi is the Jedi who saves Grogu. And I'm not... Weirdly enough, I'm not mad at it. It's cool. Yeah. Like... Who I like, could have in been. an ideal world who would have rescued him right that's my thing like even me sitting here was like who would it be at this point like he's in imperial custody so maybe that they just did take him he's yoda species we can use him maybe for future plans maybe sidious got him but i mean it also raises questions because it doesn't answer everything keller and beck takes him to a naboo starfighter with naboo royal guards yeah and 
then he just takes off. He's going to take him to some friends. And we don't know what happens. So there's more to Grogu's story that we don't see. At this point, I don't really Does any of that care. matter? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it, other than that, yeah, what has Grogu done this season? That's it. They they haven't done any done a lot with the two core characters, the people that made the first two seasons so great. And it reinforces the fact, in my opinion, that Grogu was not supposed to really be a part of this story. I know they're giving him armor and they're doing his training, which the training that they've done with him is looking a little shoddy. I'm not going to lie. It's funny. It takes down uh, Pez Rizla's son. Listen, I'm sorry. I just don't <laughs> see how Grogu, especially getting to Yoda's size, can put on Mandalorian armor and be a Mandalorian. I just, I don't see it, man. I don't see their vision for this. I think he really should I have think been it'll be hilarious when it happens. Yeah. That's my thing. I don't want it to be hilarious. <laughs> this is a, these are Mandalorians. Mandalorians are not hilarious. And that's a, when he puts the armor on, even his little chest emblem that he was forged, that the thing was almost as big as he was. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I just wonder when he's going to become a character. When is he going to start talking? When is he going to actually develop characteristics other than being really strong and cute? Right. I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen in this series. I'm not going to lie. Because technically, he's not even like one years old yet. At If he is to age, or ten years old yet, if he is to age like normal humans. He's about five right now. So so we're using that math to say Yoda died at probably like 90 yeah, in Yoda like years. Yeah. In Yoda years, you relate that to human years. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where are they going with this i don't know i just know that din's story could have been more central and focused if he didn't have grogu with them as well but it is what it is that's the decision they've gone with so i am yeah <laughs> we'll dive we'll dive into it more yeah. when this season's done but I think, I think as far as discussion goes for this episode and where the season stands right now i'm pretty pretty good we're happy I like it. Very excited. Muchly anticipating next week, Wednesday. Muchly anticipating. <laughs> so I, I think that does it. I don't have anything else to nope. say. Epic yeah. Zeb cameo. Uh, really great story. And I'm excited to see any, where it goes. Any wild theories on who the, the Mandalorian that took Moff Gideon is? Um, is it a Sabine Wren? Very well could be. What, what like would that the, could what be, would the motivation be behind that? Well, we know that Moff Gideon is probably in league with Thrawn. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of the higher ups. Sabine has Mandalorian armor. Ahsoka and Sabine are looking for Thrawn. That we could get this question answered in Ahsoka, which they said that this season would tie into the greater universe of the Mandal. Oh, what are they, what are they calling this saga right now? The Mandoverse, the Mandoverse, Favreau Filoni. I don't know. They don't really have a name for it. I just call it the Star Wars universe. This is the story they're telling right now. Yeah. But I mean, it really has already done that. So it could also be Gar, not Gar Saxon, Fen Rao. Mm. My theory is on Fen Rao. Who's he, Fen Rao? He is a character from also Rebels. He was with Sabine when she was training with her Darksaber. And she, he was kind of like the first supporter of the rebellion as from like a Mando side, you know, and he, he went along with their whole story 
in the later seasons of Rebels. So I think Fen Rao is coming. For sure. If she if she is out looking for more Mandalorians, I think Fen Rao is out there and is already an established character that they could we could end up seeing in the future. Or they could just do they could do new Mandalorians. I like seeing all these Mandalorians, you know, with the action sequences in the city. You know, the, them just like sweeping the whole city. I like that. So I'm okay with them making new Mandalorians. It doesn't have to be st- characters we know already. Bring in new characters, man. Mandalorian armor can be customized to do whatever. And that's basically their personality. So could be Sabine though. Could be. I, I like mean, that theory. Actually, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I like that. Th- theory that's a lot. immediately what I thought. I'm like, who, who's a, who, what, what Mandalorian could that be that the payoff would be worth it? Like, Oh, it, they Zeb cameoed our minds around rebels. Why not Sabine? Could be. You think we see that this season? I don't know when we see that, Ben. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Leave us a comment down below. If you're listening right now and you and, and you have a theory that we haven't said yet, let us know in the comments below because it's is very it, interesting. Is it just Boba Fett? Is he just mad? I'm mad <laughs> at Boba Fett, the show. I'm really happy, though, that this season has not really even yes. touched on Boba Fett. Indeed. Because <laughs> I don't know, just I need a little bur- breather. Seeing Boba Fett on screen, I would just kind of be a little triggered. Ugh. It would just, just remind exhausted. me of, you know, taking a nap during the <laughs> book of Boba Fett. <laughs> it's a pretty boring book, man. Anyway. Something else that's not boring, though. Let's roll into John Wick yeah, Chapter 4. Man, we got to talk about this. Full, full spoilers for John Wick Chapter 4. We're just going to jump right in. If you don't want to hear this, s- skip to the next chapter. We, we we got news right after this. Yeah. Holy cow. Best movie of the year so far. We're not... We're, it's in March, so it's still early, and we've got a ton of stuff coming out. But in my opinion, it's the best movie so far. I think I agree with that. Yeah. Like, of what we've gotten... This was so well directed, so well choreographed. The music was on point. The story, great, was probably the best it's ever been. Cinematography, great. Holy I don't, cow! But I was telling you this, even in the first uh, three, I thought this, but especially in four, I'm sitting there watching these amazing fight scenes. These beautiful cinematography and choreography, and I'm just sitting there like, how, how, how did you do this? How did you do this mix of CGI and practical? And it's just amazing to me. I, I don't know how they, they shot some of these scenes, dude. So the one we were talking about a little bit was the overhead one take. They did. They did that twice. Yeah. They did it once. And they, it was like, they come down you're like, Oh, that was really cool. And then he started <laughs> shooting more guys back overhead shot with the, the room layout It was really cool. My dad leaned over to me. It was the first time that I was in a theater with my dad and we were geeking out, sitting there just laughing at what was going on on screen. And he was like, holy cow, that was cool. I could watch that again. And then it happened again. <laughs> and we sat there. We we're like, holy cow. How packed was your theater? Packed. Every every yeah. seat was taken up. What time did you go? Uh, six o'clock at um, AMC. So Sunday? Sunday night. Okay. Yeah. So it was full. We went. Me, me, and shout out to Micah Hat. We went at it was like eleven in uh, in Yorkville, Illinois. So it, it was pretty empty. Not a lot of people in there. Eleven at night. Eleven a.m. 
We went in the morning. Oh, okay. Well, that, explains, that kind of explains me and Mike, it. We're sitting there. We already told you this, Ben, but I don't tell the listeners. We're sitting in there. You know, we're hyped to watch John Wick. This family rolls in. Three kids, probably all under the age of five, and two grandparents. They sit down. We're in John Wick. Me and Mike are sitting there talking to each other. We're like, no way. No way they're in here to watch John Wick. This has to be a mistake. So I'm like, Micah, you got you to tell them they're, they're seeing John Wick. Michael leans over. He's like, this is John Wick 3 or John Wick 4. And they're like, what? We thought this was Paddington 2. <laughs> Wait a minute. Because we were in Auditorium 2. So <laughs> Dude, you, you honestly did them the we biggest saved, favor. We saved some kids' lives, man. Legit. The nightmares they would have had. Because it is gory, man. Dang. We got a couple of public servants out here, dude. Yeah, we're saving. We, we, we did a good thing. We did a good thing. Well, so, so did Chad Stahelski and Keanu Reeves. And the whole production of this movie, they did a good thing in making this. And not to jump to the ending first. Let's jump there. But th- this is it, man. At least I hope so. I think it'd be just a great way to end it. What, how many series can say that they ended on, or let's just say, is this your favorite John Wick movie? Yes. This is my favorite John Wick movie. Yeah. How many series can say that they ended with the best one? They ended the highest they possibly could have. The character, he dies. We don't see him dead. We see him fall over, and then we see a tombstone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we got to talk about that ending too, but it's so rare in Hollywood these days to have a franchise that's not milked to the bone, to have an ending that is truly satisfying and the climax of everything that they've built towards. What, like, spitball here. What is a great finale of, you know, a multi movie or even show of a, like, something that really climaxed at its height and really just put together something excellent? Like, th- I would put this in there. I would put this in the category of that. What else? What else would go in that category? What What are perfect endings to you? So I would say that, as far as this is usually like a TV series thing, but Avatar: The Last Airbender is pretty much perfect from start to finish. Each season, excuse me, built up to a satisfying ending in each season, and the ending of the overarching story is fantastic. I wouldn't necessarily put Clone Wars in this, even though the ending is the best it's ever Ending's been. Ending's great, yeah. It's just the build-up to that is not necessarily the greatest. It's a little hoppy. It jumps around a little. Right. Yeah. And so, like, but it, that's why it's so rare to have everything. Like, in my opinion, one, two, three, and four are perfect. They're perfect television. Like, it's a great little series that you Story, can just have. Yeah. The John Wick series that takes place... Not over a few weeks. All four, all four films take place over like two weeks. I think this one is the biggest gap between time. Do we know how much time takes place so. between two or between three and four? I mean, John, he was pretty beat up in three. He was. And yeah. He looks a lot better punching that thing at the beginning. The booming theater effect oh, of that, that was, was great. Epic. I I leaned over to Mike. The trailers are playing. I'm like, I hope they fix this volume. And then right away, he's punching the. Is what is that? A, a like a telephone pole? He's punching a telephone pole or something? Dude, I don't know. Piece of wood. It's pretty epic, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, anyway, the sound w- was awesome in that sequence. Do you have a Do you have a favorite standout sequence? Um, 
Um, yes, it, and it's it, it's the duel at the end. The so there is the good, the bad, and the ugly has a very iconic theme to it, and it's called the ecstasy of gold. If you've heard it, I know you have, but in this they almost play it. For this epic duel and showdown between John Wick and excellent performance by Donnie Yen in Kane, they have a duel at the end and the music is perfect. The sun is rising and they have a 30 paced, no quarter duel. That, come on, that is so freaking epic. I love the, the the build up to that scene is great too because you're you're sitting there you have that awesome stair sequence oh my gosh and you're 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 as you as a viewer are, are like oh John Wick he's not he's not gonna make it he's not gonna make it to the duel we're not gonna get to to see that it's gonna end the sun's gonna rise they're gonna kill the hotel the Continental guy what's his name Do you have uh, his name off the top of your Winston. tongue Winston they're they're gonna kill Winston that's what I thought. Because they did like an effect where you, it's like a lamp, but you think the sun came up. Mm. But Donnie Yen, he's there and he's like, we're going to get up this together. Then you're like, oh yeah. And it's so fun because these two characters, they have to get up these stairs so they can live, but just so they can kill each other once they get to the top of the stairs. Yeah. It's such a cool dynamic. And that's the greatest thing about this. All of this is because that the, you have all of these killers, professionally trained assassins, and they put them in these situations where they have to work together because of rules. Like the scene in the third one where John Wick is escaping like his biggest fans and he puts his hand on the Continental and nope, can't, can't get killed. And then he sits down with the guy. Uh, just on a couch, this guy that was just trying to kill him this whole time. And dude, it was epic, man. But the whole ending sequence was so fantastic. Their little duel. And I didn't, I did not know. I don't know if you did. I did not know that he didn't shoot. I did. I picked up on that. I, oh, I was, he, he didn't get to shoot. I and just thought he missed. I was really curious to see what they do with uh, Bill Skarsgård there. What, what's, he, I, I wasn't, I didn't connect the dots that he didn't shoot and he's just going to kill him. That was so cool. Oh my gosh. It, and he was great too. St- uh, not Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. He yeah. was so menacing and great. And his accent that he had, I thought that. Were you upset you didn't get a John Wick v Skarsgård fight? Or did Skarsgård fill the role of just being menacing? I think it was horrible. And I hated him even more that he nominated Kane to do his dirty work. And then right when he had him on the ropes and John Wick was down, he's like, no, I'll do it. I'll take the shot. Like, what a coward, man. Very much. I hate coward. him. Because uh, you have that scene. Uh, I forget who he talks to earlier in the film. Is it Winston? He talks to someone and they talk about legacy. How if you're the man to take That's, down uh, the bearded clancy brown character yes his his like you know assassin professionally he was talking about how if you're the man to take down john wick you will live far beyond just your lifetime your legacy will live forever Mm. so i think that that's why he wanted to have the killing blow so he could say he killed john wick yeah because technically he would have he would have dude and well okay i'll ask you this what do you do you have a favorite scene in this movie 
Wow, I the roundabout sequence is really great. Yeah, I don't know how they pulled that off. Just cars and buses zooming by. These guys fighting each other. John Wick is throwing dudes in his car. He's slamming them into buses. Uh, that sequence was great. I really loved the sequence, the overhead sequence. Uh, that that's yeah, when I yeah, was yeah. just in awe of the filmmaking. And plus, you have the effect of the guys messing with the bullets so that they're it's a flamethrower gun oh my god throwing shotgun it's just, you're sitting there like mouth open like just jaw chopped wow are they really how doing cool this? is this right and there there's maybe one or two sequences where i'm like all right wrap this up this is getting kind of repetitive but for a three-hour movie they they did fantastic the pacing was all right epic fights in here and now now we're gonna sit a little we're going to sit in the quiet. We're going to let you feel this. We're going to earn the next fight sequence. Even those scenes, though, I think are done really well. Like, so, for example, in the in the fir- when it starts out, he's in Japan and he's with like Hiroyuki Sanada and who is a fantastic actor. And he's got his daughter there. Really great emotional core, especially when you juxtapose the the um, Donnie Yen character who has his daughter. And so that plays into it really well. But one of the things that I love about movies is that the quotes and the writing was off the chain at the very start. Great. Yeah. There is a quote from him, um, the Hiroyuki Sonata character. I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but he has a quote about friendship at the very beginning of this movie. Shimazu. Shimazu. Yeah. It is so fantastic. I wrote it down to remember it and it was like it just stuck with me that it wasn't just a core lesson in this film but it's a it's a great like quote to think about in life man and it's friendship means little when it's convenient just i mean just sit there and think about that for a second friendship means little if it's convenient if you're in the like can you really even call it friendship if it if it only serves you know yourself yeah and and it's great it works into this movie very well because he protects John Wick overall. The rules hold nothing over friendship. Like, I don't care. That was really cool. I loved that line. I loved that line so much. And it was like, but the I, I'm a big fan of, you know, Japanese, you know, storytelling and samurai asking. It felt very that way at the beginning. Them coming to the Continental, the dread that they placed beforehand because we already saw the New York Continental blow up at the beginning. And I'm like, everyone's getting Stakes ready for high. Yeah. I loved it, man. It was so high energy, and I, I just had a smile on my face the whole time. I've seen so much good TV this month. Uh, the Avengers, I watched Fury 2, all of those movies. Like, I don't watch this much good movies in Yeah, one The month. Avengers is out now. Go listen to that podcast. Oh, it's a great discussion. Well, I, I, I love the, the, they're sitting there on the, the boat. It's like, what, John, like, what, what would you want on your grave? Mm. He doesn't really even think about it. I it, it he's like loving husband. That's what I want to be known for. I'm the most uh, kick a assassin ever. But no, I I want to be remembered as a loving husband. That, that dude. How cool is that? Oh, that's so cool. And I, I like that. those moments of like grounding where the stakes are, and you know, really hammering home what the story's for. This is a man who is taking vengeance first and foremost, you know, for the death of everything that his wife really stands for. He, she gave him 
a puppy. The house is the way to remember him. All of that's taken away because of this world. And it just so happens that, you know, they took it away from the assassin who really could just annihilate everyone. And that's what makes for good television, folks. It's what makes for really good television. But the ending, I wanted to ask you. I love you're calling all these movies television. TV, movies, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you the yeah. ending. The gravestone. Yeah. Winston's there. He puts his hand on the grave and you see a cross symbol from the family. And he says, be at peace, my son, or something like that. He says, my son is Winston John Wick's father. <laughs> Would the age even line up for that? I How much so. older is Winston? Why, why do you think that? Just because he said that? my son and the way that he has treated John Wick in the last three films almost lends itself to that. He has, first of all, the family crest is enough to really raise enough questions. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he says, my son at the end, he gave him an extra hour betraying continental rules and his whole post, which is what he really cares about, to protect John Wick. Even though he shot him in the, in the third one. Yeah. He did that really to protect him. I, I firmly believe he that. He did that to protect himself. He, f- well, no, no, he fully tried killing John Wick. I don't think he did. I think he, come on. I don't think he, he did. He shot him off a building. He fell the whole length of the building, hit a fire escape, and then hit a dumpster. But I think, but you the don't, way he acted after that is what's really has me on the ropes. Hmm. He just pretends like, oh. Well, we'll get him. And she says, well, we don't want a visit from John Wick. And he's like, well, yeah, that would be bad. But he's not worried. He doesn't seem worried about that. And I think it's all because, and yeah, right in that moment, he was doing it for himself and John Wick. But I firmly believe that he does have John Wick's best interest at start. Maybe John Wick didn't even know that Winston was his father. I don't even need clarification either. You know? Yeah, whatever. I don't need clarification. I just, I like that little moment of questioning. That was my first thought. Is well, Winston John Wick's father? Clarification is what you want. The John Wick prequel series. The Continental is eyeing a potential fall premiere on Peacock. The series will be a three-night event that follows a young Winston starring as a hitman hoteller. Where was this premiering? Peacock. 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 The place Whoa. itself. Which I do have Peacock now, which I was going to... Delete it or uh, cancel it, but I whatever. I'll hold on to it. Now you have another reason to you hang got on every to every sitcom it. on Peacock. It's it's probably worth having. That's going to be pretty interesting, man. Yeah. I wonder who they're going to get to play Winston. I'm surprised I haven't heard anything if it's coming out in fall. If that was the only thing I heard, you know. Yeah. Well, TV series are often more under wraps than movies. Yeah. Movies they promote heavily, but like even. Uh, the other movie, we got the the ballerina coming out starring Anna de Armas. Mm. That's uh, spring slash summer 2024. At least there's a star attached to that. I guess that just lends itself to exactly what you just said. Movie, movie we already have yeah. a star attached. TV series, we know nothing about. Except for that it's going to be Winston as a young man. Oh, and we're going to get a younger version of Lawrence Fishburne also. Oh, the, the Bowery King? Yeah. Okay, all right. Or Bowery King? Bowery? Did I say it wrong? Maybe I did? I'm not sure. It's no, like, I, I don't know. 
He's the king of the king of New York. I uh, didn't mean Lawrence Fishburne. I meant the late great Lance Reddick. That's what I meant. Oh yes. Oh okay. I that misspoke. makes more sense. That makes more sense. Oh, that's gonna be sick then. He was great. I, I love how they handled him too. I don't know if they really <laughs> they probably didn't plan this, but the way no. that they the way that they just handle his death and they like they really focus on the scenes like they maybe added that in post after the fact but it was like i, did, I don't think there he, would have been a time yeah right because it, it was it, a week was, before there because yeah, right. there wasn't even they didn't even have time to go back and edit a in memoriam at the end in the credits I, it, he no he, no i saw it it was there was it at there the very very end very very in end. memory of lance riddick okay at the very that was the last credit to appear before the end credit scene okay so oh yeah that's going to be great. I'm really excited for that. Three night, three episodes, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I hope they're like all an hour. That'd be but great. Yeah. All I know is that anything Chad Stahelski and his company do, I'm in for. The filmmaking that he is doing is on another level. So just, yeah, just doing the, the, the long one takes. They're just, you, people don't think that they're that great. Like, the MCU, for example, the cut, 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 cut. No, but when you sit there, that's what made Daredevil so great. That's why mm-hmm. I love Daredevil because the you feel like you're actually there. You feel like oh, these they, they're not just waiting to punch for action. This is a full blown just fight, and it's so cool to watch. That that's why I'm just in awe. Like, how do you choreograph this? How do you do this? It was like watching that 11 minute one take in season three, and it's like you're just sitting there. Just in all the filmmaking that's being portrayed right in front of you. Whoa. Whoa. Holy cow. So what I, I you know, four, four movies, great trilogy or mm-hmm. great series. But I think that if they just, they put two and three together a little and that four was the third one, like this could be the, one of the greatest trilogies ever. This would be a fantastic trilogy. Yeah. What what do you call a f- a four movie series? A quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. And there aren't as many of those out there. <laughs> but I just look at it as a series in and of itself, and as a series, it's tetralogy. a trilogy. Really nice there we go. Tetralogy. Tetralogy. That's what it is. Yes. Got quadrilogy okay. is just something people say. It's not an actual oh. term. Okay. All right. Well, tetralogy. That's the that's the right word for it. Okay. Thank you. Um. Yeah. I. <laughs> I loved it, man. I really liked the the card, the card sequence. That was really with cool. The German dude, holy cow! You uh, you weren't too hot on Mister Nobody, is it? Yeah, he I was correct? the only part of the movie where I just he didn't take away anything of the movie. Like there, I had no like major issue. I just I left the I left the theater and I was like, he seems like a very inconsequential character when I think about the whole plot. Uh, he uh, he in introduced a very cool dynamic to the movie because he wanted to kill John Wick obviously for the reward but he needed to keep John Wick alive long enough for the reward to get high Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool it was really interesting way to tell that story and I loved his dog Uh, you always need a good dog and dog sequences were epic and especially when a big buff guy is about to kill his dog and John Wick throws him down the the flight of stairs really it's kind of full circle i really like it because you know john wick all these events spun into motion because of a dog 
So I like bringing it back to a dog and having John Wick save a dog at the end. Hmm. And Mr. Nobody, I think in uh, on IMDb, his name is The Tracker. But people have just been calling him Mr. Nobody. He doesn't really get a name. Mr. Nobody's a better name anyway. Mr. Nobody's a cool name, yeah. But he's he's like, wow, John Wick saved my dog. This guy, is, I'm not going to kill this guy. I, I thought he added a lot to the movie. I liked him. Yeah, I... Now, in a movie that has that's three hours long and has so much to it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, was this needed? I don't know. That That's just me, though. And I think... I thought it added, added to the story. His ending sequence, the last scene that he's in, and he just sits there, and he John just, Wick shoots him, and he like it, you're just sitting like, oh no way, that just happened, and then he basically just says that he's like, Dude, that's freaking great, man. That that <laughs> he's scene sitting there and fills a dog bowl up with beer. Yeah, I'm like oh wow, that's crazy. This dog's wild. That was a good scene. I just thought he he was like my least favorite part of the movie. I thought everyone else was really standout. And this guy was just assassin, you know. But I mean, that was but just he was me. cool. He's cool assassin. Yeah, but and I like the dynamic. We were talking about that card scene with the, the Colin Farrell esque guy. I don't know who yeah. plays him, but very penguin esque to me. But he's sitting there and he kind of sets the stage. Who's who these three guys are? It's like the man who wants out, the man who's uh, on the run or whatever. I, I forget what he says. But he, he basically really tells, nice you, he tells you what these three characters are and how they're going to play into the story. Mm. It's really good. And I like the way he starts off. He's like, Zimba Boyega. The, the way he says stuff is they're really good at making new characters stand out, I think, you know, in a world where we live in. That's I like not how really... it felt very like boss fight. Like, yeah, there are a lot of mini bosses he had to beat mm-hmm. to get to Skarsgård at the end. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. It was it was great, and it it, very, it felt so much like a video game, especially in that overhead shot. Yep. I gave it a I gave it a nine and a half mm-hmm. out of ten. I I loved it. It 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 was just I wouldn't say it's a ten out of ten, but it's nine and a half. Man, it was that good. What did you give it? Let me see. I'm looking at my IMDb right now. Yeah. Let's see. I wish you could do a point at like a I gave half it a point. nine on IMDb. So nine, yeah, yeah, I really, I really like this movie. <sighs> Definitely the best movie I've seen this year. I think this month has been pr- pretty good, good for movies. Movie, good what movie what have you seen this year? You've seen this month. You've 65, seen 65. 65 was one Shazam. And then there was one at the beginning of the month. I feel like either way I've seen, and I'm, I'd like to see that new Dungeons and Dragons movie D&D, for, yeah. for that's getting good reviews. Scream six was even good. S- Scream yeah. six. I would say 65 was probably the least of all of them, even though that was not bad. I liked, I liked Shazam. Shazam wasn't that bad. You guys covered that very well in your uh, spoiler-filled talk a couple weeks ago. But really great month for movies, and John Wick is a contender. Oh, you I... might see him appear at the end of the year on our year in review. You might. You probably will, actually. Just spoilers. Uh, Creed 3 also this month. That's what it was. Yeah. Creed 3. That's the one I'm missing. Creed 3 was pretty good. Um, but decent, I think... Decent month for movies, I'd say. Yeah. Really good. Like, it's really cool to see movies at this height. Yeah. I, did you watch Chris Stockman's D&D review? I did not, no. He said one of the one of his main things that he really liked about it was that people were in the theater, it was packed, and they were having a good time. 
it was just a good time at the movie theaters and he like he was like we don't get that as often anymore no it's really cool that this month alone i mean what you have all these movies coming out and i mean yeah they're they're sequels they're coming off building off franchises but they're not dc or marvel like yeah shazam came out but shazam didn't perform too hot no even though i liked shazam yeah it was it was all right it was it was a good family movie yeah family movie but it's cool to see movie theaters thriving again and making money and people actually seeing movies it's cool i like it yeah and i mean next week we've got super mario bros oh wow next month yeah next week the fifth next weekend dude is next weekend next week well dang (laughs) i know right josh told me that this week and i was like oh my gosh we gotta get our tickets man are the group we're we're gonna have a huge group going to that man i don't even are we even gonna do that as a whole group it might be too hard it might be too hard I know I told my brother Micah and Marcus that right. I, I would take them to see it. That probably won't be opening night, though. I'll probably see it yeah. opening night and then bring them like on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I just know that everyone I know is excited. <laughs> everyone grew up with Mario. How can you not Everyone. Be? Yeah. We also got that air movie. Right. In uh, April. And there's one other that I know I'm forgetting. But... Yeah, we're going to gear up for another great month of movies. But John Wick, definitely a standout. If you haven't seen it, you're probably not watching this video. But I know you, like, leave your rating of the review of that movie down below. I'd love to know what you guys think about it. I've only heard good things. So I think unless you have anything else to say, I'm good. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, You know, uh, best movie ever. Go watch it. Yep. Best movie ever. (laughs) I like that. I like that. We got some news, man. We got some news. Two weeks. It's been a while. Dude, what's going on with Jonathan Majors, man? Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> Let's get that out of the way we'll first. Start, start with that, yeah. Dude. So Jonathan Majors has been arrested for assault. And uh, his, his lawyer says he did nothing wrong. But we've seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. And this, if this is true, this sucks. Like really, this sucks. Really sucks. Yeah. If this is true, the evidence is a little. It, it's really sketchy, dude. The woman was hospitalized with marks on her neck, mm-hmm. and that's like this. If true, what what's the move? They have to recast, right? That's what has to happen. You can't move forward. With him, the really the sucky thing about this is that they could have really made it work, but they had a whole end credit sequence, and Jonathan Majors was every Kang. <laughs> oh right, because he <sighs> dies in Ant Man. They could have rolled off it, right? It, that would have worked because he dies in Loki, dies in Ant Man. Either way, Kang Dynasty is happening. Regardless with or of without if, majors, with or without majors. What sucks is that majors. Is great as he, Kang. He is great. Oh, it's just another wrench thrown in the plans. But this one is not like. This isn't like a Chadwick one. Like if this is true, I'm upset, like big time. Not that yeah. I wasn't upset for Chadwick, but it was more sad than anything. He's this huge is, now. This he's is the biggest he's ever been. Jonathan Majors. He was in Creed three. He was in Devotion. He's, he's the leading villain in. The next the, Thanos, bro. The next, yeah, these three phases of the MCU. What are you doing, man? Yeah. What the heck is going on? 
So I believe Not, there was the two other allegations that came up also. Dude, I didn't even see that. Yeah. So I don't want to hark on this too much. This no. is just very sad to hear. And uh, yeah, I don't. It sucks. He, it really does. He, he was stupid. If true. If true. There, there have been false accusations before. For sure. I'm hoping that this is what it is. But but just a great reminder that people fail. People mm-hmm. suck. Yep. We all fail. But uh Yeah. Very not epic. <laughs> Very not epic at all. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that's not really epic. There's really no way to transition, you know, well off of that. It's just, you know, you gotta be wise, man. You gotta be wise in your thinking, especially when you got your future laid out for you, man. But it's a good example of that, what not to do. Right. So um switching off of that, another not piece of epic news is that there have been rumors, while not officially confirmed, um Star Wars movie is in big development and Damon Lindelof was the man behind the project. Looks like the lead writer. Obviously we know Damon Lindelof from Lost, who's great. And the Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah. Both of those were very fantastically reviewed. I've seen Lost, of course, and I'm a huge fan. He left. He's gone, man. He is no longer a part of that movie. He yeah. said it himself. We parted ways, and this is yet another director, writer, producer who has left a Star Wars movie. I'd say this. like The idea of being able to tell your own Star Wars story sounds fun, but actually sitting down in the room and thinking, especially the backlash and the fandom that is Star Wars, I would much rather be on the couch at home watching what other creators make than trying to make my own. It just doesn't sound inviting at all. Yeah. Especially because the fandom is so toxic. It's so toxic. I feel like, I feel like this is going to sound really arrogant here. <laughs> I could do a Star Wars. I could, I could tell a good it Star does Wars sound very story. Arrogant, ben. I'm going to say it though. Right. Write a script, Ben. Prove what to I'm me saying that is you can do it. That <laughs> I have a direction that would I really think that I've confident in this. Your Star Wars show would suck. I, you know, I your didn't Star let me, Wars show you didn't would let me finish. Suck you didn't so let me finish. Much. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> this is this is not me writing. This is not me, you know, directing anything. What are you doing then? What I'm saying is I have an idea. A perfect way to go about dealing with fans and backlash and dealing with legacy and also going in a bold new direction where you don't really have to fit in the confines of a new universe. We've this, talked about this. This is your old Republic. Yes. Idea. Yeah. It is the wisest move to go. I really think that Just is the wisest move. Just tweet that out. And, uh, <laughs> what am I going to say know that? that. People said. know that the old Republic is popular. But that's my thing, man. Why not do that? I think it's the best move. Who is, who is volunteering to do that? Well, that's Are there my creators thing. out there that want to do that? Yes, absolutely. I actually think that's what the Game of Thrones creators were hired on to do. And then they got canned because of the Game of Thrones season eight. I think that's what they're very versed in that. You know, I think that's what they were going to do. I guarantee you I could find someone out there who's got a great idea. You have the storyboards right there from the games. Ideas are great. We know. Like, oh, hey, uh, let's tell a story with Obi-Wan Kenobi between 
Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope. Now that one, I'm that's confident. an idea. That's yeah. an idea. But did you have the creators in place to translate that idea into a great show? No. Decent show? Sure. Fantastic? No way. No way. I don't know. It's just, where? what's going on here? Are we going to get a new announcement on Star Wars Celebration? That's what they're saying. That's yeah. what they're saying. But if you have your lead, lead writers just leave, dude, come on. What's going on here? Why is it so difficult to make a Star Wars movie? Because he didn't leave because he was nervous about fan backlash. That's not why he left. He left because of creative differences. Again, the Lucasfilm higher-ups want a story. Mm-hmm. They hire talented people. These people go to translate this movie in, and they don't like it. They don't like the ideas, and they fire them. They're gone. I mean, this is when they separated ways, but even then, it's very frustrating. Yeah. This, this is again happening. What's going on, man? Why is it so hard to write a Star Wars story? Why is it so hard to get Lucasfilm on board for this stuff? It's just, it's a huge, huge fandom, huge universe. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Plus, Disney's going through a bunch of changes. Bob Iger's back. Yeah, that's true. He, maybe he had a plan. That's probably not. But uh, yeah, he, he wants to tell better Star Wars stories and better uh, Marvel stories, too. He said that. So we'll. We'll see what, what that happens. But also, uh, someone leaving. Victoria Alonso exited mm. Marvel Studios. Yeah. Holy cow. So if, for those of you who don't know, Victoria Alonso has been a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe since the beginning. The she's, beginning, she's man. She's been uh, executive producer, and she was in charge of the VFX division. She had a lot to do at Marvel. And she her recent firing is pretty big but uh there been a lot of reports saying that she's was the single reason why the vfx were so uh what's the word i'm looking for shoddy yeah shoddy i guess and she is being single-handedly blamed for the toxic work environment that marvel studios had and And why the vfx artists were worked so hard yeah so there i've also been reports saying that she's just fully being used in as a, an escape goat. So we don't know. But either way, she's gone. She's no longer she, a part of this. She was in charge of VFX, though, and they have been bad. And, you know, you can kind of point that. It's just interesting that she's been a part of this mm-hmm. for so long. And then now, you know, she's produced great work in the past. If you stayed for any after credits Marvel movie, which I know everyone has, you see her name always pop up in every movie. Every TV show, but she's produced shoddy work and she's gone now. So how that's going to affect things going forward, who knows? We'll see. Hopefully for the better. Hopefully these reports are true. Hmm. But that she was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because if the she was the problem, she's gone now. They got rid of her. That's good. Yeah. There's a lot to dive in. There's been tons of stuff that came to surface. So if you want to do your own research, look into that. But yeah, she's gone. That's yeah. what we'll, we'll tell you right here. Drama with Marvel, drama with DC Ooh. as well this past week. Jeez, man. Levi and The Rock. <laughs> see, there's a lot. The duel we wanted to see on the screen <laughs> is happening in real life. Oh, man. Punches are being thrown and 
it's not it's not in the physical way that we want to see in no. superhero movies. No, it's it's the way that most arguments happen. It's it's on social media. <laughs> this is all coming off the fact that Shazam is the lowest performing DC extended universe ever. Of all, all like all of those movies put together, even Birds of Prey, which came out during COVID had a higher opening than Shazam mm. did, which is wow, pretty insane. Birds of Prey did. Birds of Prey. That's insane. Which should tell you something right now. Now, I think Shazam's better than Birds of Prey, but that's neither here nor there. But more people ran to the theaters to see Birds of Prey. Yep. Wow. It's, it's actually insane that The Rock had this much power at one point. So the reports are saying what exactly, Ben? He wanted to Shazam. They wanted to have Shazam in the end credit scene of Black Adam. Black Adam, yeah. He didn't want that. The Rock. The Rock didn't want that. He wanted Superman Henry Cavill. And he wanted to build a universe where he faced off against Superman when in reality Black Adam is a, a, a product of Shazam. You know, he is Shazam's villain. It should have been them two. It would have been really nice to have them two fight. But he wanted Henry Cavill. Got him. Filmed him. He's in the movie now. But it should have been Shazam. They wanted Shazam to have it. And also, the Justice Society was supposed to be in Shazam. The Rock vetoed that too. All of this is because of The Rock, who I was initially pretty fond of when the when Black Adam came out. Seeing his passion for the film and especially for uniting the fans was, you know, infectious. It was. But hearing this is very disappointing because it sounds like he was a big problem, a man with too much power. So very frustrating. All this news, Star Wars, Marvel, DC. There's just a lot going on, man. Not a lot of great stuff. And it's, you know, it's very frustrating. Yes. But something that I will, I will leave us off with a positive note in that. Liv Tyler is back as Betty Ross in the Thunderbolts. And also, which is which is huge news, but also you I want you to say your Daredevil news. I want My you Daredevil to bring that news, up quick. Yeah. So Liv Tyler's back, of course. Pretty big. We're hoping that uh Captain America New World Order is a big movie. It seems like it's gonna be the most direct spin-off of the Incredible Hulk film. We have the leader coming back. We have Liv Tyler coming back, so we'll see. It's it's funny now that they're tapping into this this world that has been around <laughs> for so long. But right. yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio has been saying a lot about Daredevil: Born Again, and I actually got a few quotes that I want to read because I just I'm very excited. I just am. So uh, he explained that the Daredevil: Born Again might be different but it will have gigantic payoffs in its first and second season. And he also went on to say that Charlie Cox and John Bernthal play a major part of this show, the two of them together. John Bernthal, Punisher. Yes. Major part, major role. That's really interesting. Yeah, I have the direct quote here. He says, and by the second season, there are gigantic, gigantic payoffs in the first season too, but I can say, but I can't say much about that. But the fans are really going to love uh, or are really going to get what they want. It's really going to be quite cool that we're doing this. As always, love to see the passion. It's great that he's got it there. 
and I love that we're going to get something hopefully pretty epic in the 18 episodes that we get of Daredevil. I, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. He says, he says, not only are we getting 18 episodes, but he says season two is season in the works already. This better be like the greatest show ever. And I know it's going to be different. It probably won't directly roll all off of the Netflix universe. My opinions have varied. They they change like every day. Yeah. I want a spinoff. I want I want the Netflix season four to continue. But also, I'm at a point where I love this. Uh, ben Urich, who is a huge Daredevil character, they killed him in the first season of the Netflix show. Hmm. I'm excited to have a chance to get a new Ben Urich portrayed. To get Ben Urich back in the fold. Yes, it will be different, but th- we we've seen stories be rebooted all the time, like. No one's out here mad that Christian Bale's Batman isn't being yeah, lived right. on. He get, his character got to end. We love Robert Pattinson now. That's cool. Yep. We, new new stories can be told with the same character. So I'm excited for this, and I'm excited that John Bernthal has a huge yeah, part in this. Right. It's going to be really cool. If if Charlie Cox, John Bernthal, and Vincent D'Onofrio all signed on for this show, and even if the scripts aren't perfect, those three will elevate the script yeah, in some will. way. They will elevate the story. So I'm excited. Also, something that we are concerned about was how how violent will this show be? How violent will it be? Vincent D'Onofrio also. So this is all from Newsweek.com. Yeah, he did two different two different articles came out. It was probably part of one interview they released it at different times. But he says he talks about he talks about the violence in Marvel and how it's 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 not always there. It's not really the violent genre, the MCU at least. He says all I can say is that if you look at most brutal stuff in the MCU. Uh, it's really far, a few and far between, but it's there and it will be there for us too. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that the fans loved about the original show, that it wasn't just violent to be violent. It was at times a bit shocking to see, but it was all based in emotional stuff from Charlie's part to mine. There are two very emotional characters caught up in this life of theirs. So it will answer all of that for the mm-hmm. fans. Very cool. He's saying, yeah, that, that show. We were violent, but we weren't just violent for violence sake. He said there was emotion tied in that. And that's why. Yep. Why why is the the iconic hallway fight scene so famous in that first season? Yeah. It's because he's doing it all. It all culminates in him saving a young boy. Yeah. A boy that has been taken from his father. Mm-hmm. That's why he did it. He didn't do it just because he wanted to beat these dudes up. Sure, he, he he's a vigilante. He wants to bring justice to Hell's Kitchen. He wants to make it a better place. That's It's his city. Yeah. But he's doing it because there's a boy there. Come on. Dude. I'm excited. I'm excited for Born Again. I know it will be different. Fans just have to accept that. But I really don't care anymore. We're, we're getting Charlie Cox. We're getting John Bernthal. We're getting Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Eckhart. They're not a part of it. So we say. It's all right. It's all right. I'm tr- Marvel is going through a lot of changes right now. I'm hoping that this show is fresh mm. for the MCU. And it's it, everything I'm hearing about it, it sounds is like great. it will be. I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's going to be. I love that they're so passionate about it. It's so great, man. And if they are, there's got to be something good about it. There's got to be something good about it. So that's where we're going to leave it, folks. That's where we're going to leave it on that positive note. In a week that's largely been pretty pretty negative as far as news goes, that's where we're going to leave it off. Very epic news from Vincent D'Onofrio. Not so epic news from the rest of it, though. But John Wick 4, great. Mandalorian, Episode 5, The Pirate, great. And uh, multiverse monologues. 
great. Great, <laughs> man. We thank you guys for sticking around uh, for this long, and uh, we appreciate you if you guys would leave a like. And uh, otherwise, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wetzeloff. Signing off. We all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. Fantastic day.